Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Susie Oaks from Macworld Magazine, where she's the executive editor, and also Jeff Gamut from the Mac Observer. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Susie Oaks, the big muckety-muck from Macworld Magazine. Actually, she's officially the executive editor. And she has had an experience that a lot of us would treasure, which is actual extended usage of an Apple Watch. And this is not something that Apple sent you to play with like they did with some people. This is something you had to buy. Yeah, we, we bought all our own. Um, I got the the stainless steel Apple Watch with the Milanese loop. Yeah, we've been really liking it. Some other people on staff got the Apple Watch Sports. So everybody on staff bought them. Now, the lucky thing about it here is you didn't have to wait as long as some people. Did you just get in so early or what? Yeah, we were all up late to pre-order at the you know stroke of midnight. Um, we have one reporter out in New York, so she had to get up at 3 a.m. to do this. We were all like in our chat room, you know, all excited. I got through in the Apple uh, the Apple Store app on the iPhone, so it was really fast. I used Apple Pay, so my order went through at 12:02, and I got mine on launch day. I'm not sure if it was exactly. It kind of depended on like what model you ordered and how popular that one was. So we were sort of sweating it. Um, two of us got our our watches on launch day, and two other staffers had to kind of wait and got them you know later this week. So yeah, but I was off and running on launch day, which was great because I wrote the official Macworld review, which went live on Monday. So I had a, a week and two weekends of just nonstop watch use to formulate my opinion on it, which is still you know evolving because it's such a personal device and and you keep sort of coming up with new kind of ways to to use it to you know change your game as you use it more. Well, this is something which you've kind of explained. It's not as easy to review as, say, a new MacBook, because you can relate any kind of product for which there's a previous version. Yeah. In a MacBook, obviously, there's a whole history of Apple notebooks. You can relate that to the other products, look at the changes, compare it, plus or minus. Here's something where there's no past history. There's no benchmark to measure the performance of a smartwatch. It's kind of making it up as you go along or creating new rules? What? Yeah, it is. It's it's pretty subjective um, since it's such a personal object. It's something that you're wearing all the time. And yeah, it's a new, it's a brand new category for Apple, of course. So, you know, different reviewers were kind of taking different approaches. I really liked uh, John Gruber's over at Daring Fireball because he reviewed it kind of as a watch. You know, he's a watch guy. So he reviewed it from the perspective of, of a person who wears watches all the time and how good is this thing as a watch. Um, I haven't worn a watch in years. So I was sort of reviewing it as, okay, like this is a gadget that works with my phone and is supposed to you know, help me decide what notifications are important enough to you know, get out my phone and deal with right now, what can be saved until later. I've used a lot of fitness bands, so I could speak to you know, its effectiveness to to motivate me to hit my fitness goals. So yeah, but it was it's it's definitely a different product to review. It's a lot harder to review than just getting a new MacBook or a new iPhone because everyone, you know, kind of understands those products already and what they're supposed to do and, you know, what we're supposed to get out of them. Well, that's a big thing here, it's the expectations. Because you don't know what 
to expect of what to deliver. I suppose in some ways you have to look at this in comparison like an iPhone. You're mm-hmm. looking at responsiveness. You're looking at ease of use, things like that. Yeah, yeah. And I actually, um, I thought it was a lot less responsive compared to my iPhone. So it's pulling most of the data from the iPhone. Very little of the data that you see on the Apple Watch comes from the Apple Watch. Like the activity app uses the sensors that are in the Apple Watch. So there's no real lag when you're checking that. But if you're checking the weather, your email, your messages, all that's being pulled from the phone. All the third-party apps on the watch are all pulling in from the phone. So there's a little bit of lag there. But even just uh, scrolling around the home screen, it doesn't seem quite as responsive as the iPhone. But I mean, we're on the iPhone has been out for a while, so yeah, it's it, it feels kind of first generation compared to you know what the performance that we're kind of spoiled with in the rest of our Apple products. Is part of the problem the fact that it is pulling data from an iPhone, so there's somewhat of a delay? I've thought that, you know, location-based things have been slower, but that's, you know, your iPhone has to check its location and then and then give back, you know, whatever you're expecting to get, whether that's weather or your location on a map. There's always going to be a delay in, in that kind of stuff. And then a lot of the third-party apps, I've spent more time with first-party apps, but um, a lot of the third-party apps were written just based on simulators. So now we're seeing, you know, updates being applied now that some of those developers have real watches and can see, you know, the real performance of things and they can go in and make some adjustments to code to, you know, be pulling data before you ask for it. Or I don't really know how all that works, but um, we expect that to get to get better kind of as, as the updates come. But I mean, I still had to review the watch that I had and not, you know, try to give it too many points for potential. Well, you can't evaluate potential. That's yeah. not even fair because you don't know when that potential is going to be realized. It's like reviewing a Microsoft product. Here's our vaporware. We're going to introduce this feature, maybe. Yeah, exactly. I think this is going to be one of those products that it makes sense to kind of revisit. iMore does this awesome thing that I love where they come back to major products after a few months and kind of re-review them. Like, okay, now that we've lived this, this thing for three months, here's some things that we're noticing that we didn't notice right away. Because it's hard to completely encapsulate a whole new product category after using something for a week. So, I mean, you know, I tried to be really thorough and I've gotten some good compliments on the review that we wrote. But yeah, we we will be revisiting these things kind of as the story unfolds. How about comparison with other smartwatches? Okay, I think it's a lot more stylish than some of the Android Wear watches. Most people probably aren't trying to decide between Android Wear and iPhone because, you know, you need an Android phone for the Android Wear watches and you need an iPhone for the for the Apple Watch. But Android Wear is the best other, you know, smartwatch platform out there. And we've seen a lot of cool ones. We have a sister site called Greenbot that just covers the whole Android universe. And they just got the new LG Urbane. Um, and that one's pretty stylish. It even comes in a, in a gold version. I don't think it's real gold, but it, it's pretty nice. Um, they have the circular faces on some of them, the Moto 360, the LG Urbane. And those are kind of cool, but they're huge. They look really big on men's arms and even bigger on women's arms. So I think the Apple Watch has a style that I haven't seen from the other smartwatches. I think the bands are a lot nicer. It's hard to kind of pick out which band you want. You know, you have to you have to measure your arm and you have to see which ones fit the watch you have. And then you can get an Apple Watch Sport and get a fancy band for it, but the metal tones might not line up. And so the Apple Watch has a fashion thing that I don't think the other platforms are doing quite so well. The other smartwatch that works with iPhone, of course, is Pebble. 
Those are pretty cool too. They don't work quite as seamlessly on the iOS platform as they do with Android. Jason Snell uh, has used Pebble for a couple of years and he's written on Macworld a few times about Pebble. And it's, you know, kind of fun to see what smartwatches are all about. It's kind of on a different level than the iPhone and the Apple Watch having that deep integration where they're just made for each other. Well, Pebble is much more no frills. It doesn't have near as many Mm -hmm. features. And it's also black and white, isn't it? Yeah. The Pebble Time, which is just starting to ship now, they had a Kickstarter and they're just starting to ship to those early backers this month. Um, It's getting a color display. But yeah, it's different. It's an e-ink display. So it's always on without using power. Um, So those watches last like a, a, a week on a charge, which is really nice. I think they have some fitness features, but not as robust as the Apple Watch. I mean, they're not like taking your heart rate or anything. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's a different thing. We had an interview with the Pebble CEO at South by Southwest, and he was excited about the Apple Watch. He's like, this is great. So many more people are going to like hear about smartwatches and look into smartwatches, and they're not all going to buy an Apple Watch. So they think they're going to get trickle-down kind of leftovers from just more people coming to the smartwatch party is going to be good for for everybody. We'll explore the trickle-down theory in our next segment with Susie Oaks of Macworld. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth slide into a recession or at worst depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery due to the severity of the 100% blocked arteries in both my legs. And my decision, waiting for surgery, to say no and try heart and body extract instead has been thankfully the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? 
But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Please go to plus.technighthow.com, plus.technighthow.com to learn about our premium service, Tech Night Owl Plus. What we offer is an enhanced resolution version of the show, better quality audio, free of 41 minutes of network ads, and for a monthly fee of $5, 50 a year, 175 for five years. In other words, a dollar and a quarter for each episode, as cheap as we could make it, plus.technighthow.com. Susie Oaks from... Macworld is here to tell us about her experiences with the Apple Watch she actually bought and paid for. <laughs> and she's got to pay the bills now on that credit card when she does it. Okay, so the people from Pebble thinking here that it's the trickle-down economic theory. A lot of people can't afford to pay for an Apple Watch. What's the alternative? The Pebble. But Pebble also offers much longer battery life, right? Yeah, they they use a different display technology, um, an e-ink display, where um, it's it's kind of more like the Kindle uses, where it's not a backlit thing, and I believe it doesn't use power to to keep. It only uses power when it changes it, but then once once you know you have the time displayed, it would only need to change it you know once a minute, and in between then it doesn't use power, so they can have the display on all the time. Whereas the Apple Watch and the Android Wear watches. The display is usually blank until until you know you raise your arm or however you activate it to turn it on. So so the Pebble is a is a, a different display technology. I think the fitness features are different. Doesn't have the the heart rate sensor. So all those things affect battery life. And yeah, that's been one of the things that Pebble users love about their watches is that you don't have to charge it every single night. 
Well, one hopes as battery technology improves, that'll be better. We have, of course, Tesla setting up this battery plant, so maybe they'll come out with something. Yeah, it seems like we're due for a big breakthrough. Like, that's what's holding back a lot of these devices. Well, that's the thing that bothers me about this thing here is that there hasn't been a really terrific improvement in battery life. It's mostly about the efficiency of the electronics it powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Apple does, you know, a lot with that, um, with the new MacBook. They change the size of the batteries and the shapes of the batteries so they can have like flat sheets that they can terrace into these curved spaces inside the MacBook. And But yeah, I mean, the batteries themselves haven't really advanced that much. So it's more about, um, you know, more efficient processors and um, optimizing the software and hardware together to just squeeze out as much life as they can from the batteries that we have. Well, I think the real win there will be when it's two or three days. Yeah, that'd be nice. I don't know, like having to charge the Apple Watch every night hasn't really bothered me because it's like a routine that you get into. You know, you like take off your watch, plug it in, you plug in your phone usually every night and you go to bed. Um, I've had some fitness trackers that need to be charged more sporadically every like five to seven days. And it's harder for me to remember like, okay, how many days has it been since I've charged this thing? And, and, and it's, they're supposed to give me warnings before they die, but I almost never, I don't know if I don't notice those warnings or if they're just not reliable enough, but my Fitbit or my jawbone or whatever I'm reviewing at the time, like it'll just die. And I, sometimes I won't even notice it's dead for a day until I realize it's, you know, not counting steps anymore. And then I have to find the little charger piece to plug it in because it's, it's not something I use every day. So like, I can't remember, is it in my bag or by my nightstand or so, so having to charge the Apple watch every night hasn't been a problem for me. I mean, it might annoy other people more, but it's just, it's, you know, it's part of the routine. I just do it every night and it's always charged and it's been lasting all day. I get to the end of the day. I still have like 20% left usually. So that's nice. What kind of notifications do you get from an Apple Watch about the fact that the battery is running down? Is it um, obvious or is it something you just have to catch? It's pretty obvious. It'll tap you on the wrist and say when you get to, I believe, 20% and then again at 10%. And it has a power saving mode. So when it tells you that it's getting low, it will offer to go into power saving mode and you can put it into power saving mode whenever you want. And that just kind of makes it into just a watch. Um, it'll turn off most of the features, but you'll still be able to tell time. Well, that's the thing too. What does Apple watch do when it's not connected to an iPhone? Um, when it's not connected to an iPhone you can still use Apple pay, which is really convenient. Um, and the fitness tracking still works because that uses the accelerometer that's in the Apple Watch itself. Um, the heart rate monitor will still work. So if you use the workout app to you know, go for a run or uh, get on the elliptical or some kind of cardio workout, um, you can still track those workouts. Um, if you go for a run with the watch, but you don't bring your iPhone, the watch itself doesn't have GPS. So it's pretty accurate about how far you went because it knows from when you do have your phone with you just walking around, it kind of knows how long your steps are, how many steps it takes you to get to a mile. So once you calibrate it that way, and if, if you take a run with your phone, and so I, I'm hearing that it's pretty accurate that way, um, you can run without your phone and you'll get the, the step data, the calorie data, um, your heart rate data, so how hard you are working, and all that is logged, but you don't get the GPS tracing of your routes. 
that a lot of the running apps do. You can go back and look at your routes. But I don't know. I never really did that very much. Like, I'm not like, oh, I wonder, like, you know, where I ran yesterday. Like, it just, I don't know. It doesn't matter that much. So if you don't want to run with your iPhone, you don't have to. And the Apple Watch is still a really good fitness companion, even on its own. Apple Watch. Now, you bought this, obviously, as something to use with your work. Mm -hmm. But Susie Oaks, as a private citizen, (laughs) who maybe wasn't working for Macworld or doing something else, you're a college professor, whatever your profession is. Right. You're a mother. You have a family. Would you buy an Apple Watch? Um, I don't know if I would buy this one just because it's first gen and I don't often buy first gen products um, for myself. And it's kind of expensive. I mean, Apple fans especially have a lot of expensive devices kind of competing for our technology dollars. And, you know, you're, you're probably going to upgrade your phone every two years, maybe a little longer. Um, you know, your Mac will last longer than that. But, you know, there's just there's kind of upgrades that you, you always want to be making and you have to prioritize those. So... So I don't know if the watch would make the cut for me this time. Um, I'm also like just notoriously cheap and I hate spending money on expensive things. So yeah, I don't know. That would, that would be a lot for me for an accessory and something that's just kind of extra and it's nice to have, but it's not really a need to have. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's a second screen for your phone. It's like a phone accessory. So, so yeah, I, pro- I probably wouldn't buy it if I was just, if, you know, I, my livelihood didn't depend on it, but yeah. I've I've gotten a lot of use out of it, clearly. I mean, we're writing tons of stories about it every day. So I'm glad I have it. But if I was just buying it with my own cash, I don't know if, if it, this one would make the cut. I might wait for the second version. In our next segment, I'll ask Susie Oaks more about the typical customer of something like this. Is it the tech geek, the early adopter, the fashionista, someone who has tons of money? And now nah, it's another cool product. I'll spend $17,000 Uh, an Apple Watch edition with the most expensive band. And guess what? I'll buy a new one next year and the year after that, and they'll have just a big closet filled with Apple Watches. But not us. (laughs) I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. KDArmor.com is your one-stop shop for the most affordable body armor, period. With packages starting at $169.99 and free shipping on every order. Katie offers soft armor and rifle threat rated armor up to level 4. Go to KDArmor.com and get your body armor today while you still can. Mention this ad and receive a free tactical scarf for a limited time with any body armor package. That's KatiArmor.com. Come and take it. Hi, this is Larry Smith. Sometimes bad things happen to good people, like when the jeweler ruined my ring and wouldn't do anything about it. But when my Legal Shield attorney called him and told him what my rights were, I received a check for over $2,100. Worry less and live more with lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com or call 855-340-SAVE. Again, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. 
If the IRS has garnished your paycheck or seized money from your bank account, you need to get professional tax help now. Fast action is required to put a halt to these aggressive IRS collection tactics. You can count on the knowledgeable team of tax professionals at Wall & Associates. With over 30 years of experience, Wall & Associates has settled the tax problems of thousands of taxpayers for a small fraction of what they owed. For a free face-to-face consultation, call 1-800-425-4610 to put a wall between you and the IRS. 1-800-425-4610 or look for us on the web at wallandassociates.net. We solve tax problems. If you hire Wall & Associates today, you'll never have to talk to the IRS again. To stop the levies and seizures today, take action now. Call Wall & Associates at 1-800-425-4610. Wall & Associates, 1-800-425-4610. Based on actual cases, results may vary, not a solicitation for legal services. If you constantly feel run down and tired, your pH level might be low and your body could be full of toxins. If what you drink is not at a pH level of 8 or higher, you are inviting bacteria and acid to thrive in your body. But there is something you can do. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops to your water to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise your pH balance to optimum levels. AlkaVision Plasma pH drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals in the world. Alkalizing the water you drink, ridding your body of acidic waste and toxins, and helping you regain energy and vibrant health. And studies show viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline, high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. You pick up the receiver. With your heart racing and sweat dripping from your forehead, you finally muster the courage to dial the number to call into your favorite talk radio show. It rings once, twice, and then... Hello, it's GCN. What's your name and the state you're calling from? Surprised you got through, you squeak out. Jason from Minnesota. Please hold. As you patiently wait for your turn, you begin to daydream about being a famous talk radio host and what it would be like to have your own show. Jason from Minnesota, you're up. Millions of loyal listeners worldwide waiting to call and talk to you. Caller, are you there? Cheering crowds surround you, calling out your name. Going once, twice. Okay, we gotta move on to the next caller. You blew it. Huh? Wait, no! Interact with the hosts you're listening to right now online at GCNlive.com. Click on the community link. Engage with other listeners. Ask questions. Start debates. Don't agree with a host? Let them know. Be a part of the community at GCNlive.com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. Susie Oaks from Macworld, where she's executive editor. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. We are exploring Apple Watch, again from a user's point of view. Now, when Adam Inkst was here last week reviewing his Apple Watch, he's a fitness person, too. He does running. He pointed out things that maybe he didn't like about it. Now, let's look at the typical user here. I specified in the past segment the early adopter, anything Apple, the tech geek, someone who's in the fashion and doesn't mind blowing money. Who else needs this product? 
That's kind of a good question. The use cases for it are going to be really personal. So someone who wants to keep an eye on their heart rate throughout the day, but finds the you know dedicated heart rate devices just kind of ugly and clunky, um, this would be a good way to do that. If you live somewhere where it's really rainy, <laughs> you have to keep your phone in a waterproof case to be able to take it out and use it. The watch is pretty water resistant, so you could do some, you know, basic things with your phone like control your music and and send text messages like from your watch and not worry about soaking your phone. Um so yeah, those are all really small niche areas. So it's kind of up to each person to to get it and see you know, kind of figure out how how it would really change their life. So I think Apple is smart to do this try-on thing to let people kind of sample it a little bit. That's also for fashion reasons. So you can pick out, you know, the one that you think really looks best on you without just having to choose from the website. It's a tough sell because it's it's definitely like an early adopter thing right now. There, there's There's no thing that's so compelling that only the Apple Watch can do that like no other product can do. It can't really do anything your phone can't do, you know, except for the fitness tracking and the fitness tracking features are are really nice and I love the software and the the interface of it, but the actual functions are, you know, you, you can get a fitness tracker that does all that for a lot less money. So yeah, it's still kind of in the early adopter realm. There's a lot of apps for it now, but most of them are just, you know, notifying you about things. So as Apple opens it up to native apps that run directly on the watch and we just sort of see the how the smartwatch, you know, story evolves, I think people are going to keep coming up with use cases. This is the first version of the product. Mm-hmm. And something where as more features are added, it may in a sense if it ever has the ability to have a cellular radio inside it, take away some of the features some of the need for a full smartphone. Yeah, right now, watches are are all pretty dependent on a smartphone. There's a couple that have cellular chips in them and like GPS chips, and they use them more as like location trackers. Uh, we reviewed one for TechHive that was called the Philip, and it was a little tiny, you know, wrist-worn cell phone with GPS that you would put on your kids and like pre-program in, you know, mom and dad's numbers so the kid could call home if he needed it or hit kind of a panic button. And then the mom and dad could use their smartphone to check on where the kid is. So we've seen a few things like that, but we haven't seen a lot of standalone, you know, Dick Tracy kind of watches where the whole, it's like a smartphone and a watch form factor. They might still be too like big and ugly. And I, but I think, you know, a few years down the line that that's probably where it'll go. Just think, three or four years from now, Tim Cook is telling us that sales of the iPhone are less because the Apple Watch is cannibalizing those sales. Yeah, it could be. So that's really, I think, the big thing to take away from Apple Watch is that it's showing us the future. It's not a hobby, obviously. It's a full-blown product, but it doesn't come into its own for a few years. But do people care? Will people wait that long? In other words, if they buy it now and the experience isn't so great, will they say, well, okay, a couple of versions from now, it'll be fine? Yeah, I mean, the experience is good now. It definitely does what it sets out to do. But it's just tough when you're talking about technology that doesn't do something that's like so crucial. It's not like, you know, you really need a computer and, and everyone kind of feels like they need a phone. It's still pretty extra. And if smartwatches end up being like a fad in a few years, nobody's wearing them then, um, you know, the Apple Watch that is out now will still be nice, 
but you know, maybe maybe they won't be driving it forward. I don't know. I mean, like Google Glass never really took off. It was too expensive. It was, it, you know, it was, it made people like not trust each other. They thought, you know, I'm being filmed all the time by this guy with this weird thing on his face. So, so that was like supposed to be a revolutionary, you know, new computing platform and it kind of fizzled. I mean, I guess it could still come back, but I don't see that happening with smartwatches. I think that, you know, smartwatches kind of have legs and they're going to be a bigger deal as we go forward. But I could be wrong. I mean, people might decide tomorrow that we, we don't want to wear stuff on our wrists and smartwatches are, are not the way to go. But Apple seems to, to believe in the category and the watch that they've made is, is a really nice smartwatch. I suppose we have to remember that the first iPhone wasn't mm -hmm. necessarily as finished as we wanted it to be. It didn't support even 3G networks. Now we have LTE networks. It didn't support 3G networks. There was now an app store. So think about that. It was fully formed within the limitations of the product, but there's still a lot that it couldn't do. Yeah, exactly. There's a really cool picture kind of circulating. I've seen it on Twitter a few times where someone took the band off the Apple Watch and lined it up next to the, the first iPhone and took a picture. And it's uncanny, like how similar they look. They're about the same thickness. They've got the same, you know, rounded corners and, and shiny metal sides. You know, it's, it's a funny picture, but it's also kind of a reminder that, you know, Apple has has been through this before. They released the first, you know, generation of, of a new category for them of the iPad, the iPhone, and and the now the Apple Watch, and it's it's a solid performer. But yeah, I mean they all kind of have limitations, and then in uh, later iterations, you know they they keep improving and and blowing by those those limitations, and then you know a few years later you have a really compelling product. So we'll think about this in 2020 if I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm a doddering still... old man, and I'm not doddering, and I'm still doing this show. We'll go back and say, hey. Remember the first Apple Watch as we go out to buy an Apple car? Yeah. Yeah. And people are saying that too. They're like, oh, if you don't love this, like you just have no vision. Like remember the first iPhone and the first iPad and, and Apple knows what they're doing. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I definitely have faith that, that, that it's going to keep getting better, that the speed issues that are driving me crazy now will, will get better. But, you know, I still have to, I have to evaluate the watch that we have today. So It's fair. Thinking of the first generation product, looking at the MacBook now. Mm -hmm. To me, the MacBook is a return to 2008 with the first MacBook Air. This is the next generation product. This would be the ultimate MacBook Air replacement when it can be a little cheaper and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And some people have written in saying like, oh, I'm so worried that they're going to go to this single port thing and I'm not going to be able to get MacBook Airs anymore. Um, I hope the MacBook Air isn't going anywhere for a few more years because I love my MacBook Air. I mean, I use it all the time. And I like the new MacBook. I love the trackpad. I got used to the keyboard really, really quickly. Um, and, you know, the Retina display is obviously super beautiful and nice to have. But yeah, the the whole like having a bunch of adapters, if you're going to use it with peripherals, um, it's... It's a pain point. And the, the original MacBook Air back in 2008 had those same pain points. It only had one USB port and it was under this weird little trap door that you had to flip down. And and it, it didn't come with much storage. I think the entry level was like 64 gigabytes of storage. Um, so yeah. And then when they redesigned it in I think 2010, they fixed all those problems and, and it became a great machine. And so the original MacBook Air 
in 2008 also didn't have an optical drive. And that was weird for a laptop at the time to not have an optical drive. So the USB-C port on the new MacBook, I, you know, I kind of equate to that optical drive. Um, Apple still sells, you know, it's seven years later and Apple still sells one laptop SKU with an optical drive. So I don't think that just because they did this MacBook Air with one port that, you know, next year all your Macs are going to have one port. Um, you know, I think they're, they're pushing it forward, but they, they recognize that not everybody can move forward at that same speed and that there's going to be some people who are like, no, I really need all those ports and I really need an optical drive. And they don't want to, like, chase those people away from the Mac entirely. But- Let's chase away one more segment, okay? okay. Maybe a couple of segments with Susie Oaks from Macworld. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. 
GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. You've heard them on Alex Jones. You've seen them on Ancient Aliens. Now come see them live at Contact in the Desert 2015 in Joshua Tree this May. Experience four full days of science-centered lectures, workshops, intensives, and fieldwork on ancient astronauts, extraterrestrial intelligence, human origins, crop circles, contact experiences, UFO sightings, and more. Meet Chariots of the Gods author Eric Von Daniken, Ancient Aliens host Giorgio A. Sokolos, New York Times best-selling author David Wilcock, Dead Dog. Doctors Don't Lie author Dr. Joel Wallach, astronauts Edgar Mitchell and Story Musgrave, Earth Files publisher Linda Moulton Howe, author Jim Mars, and many of the world's most respected researchers and scientists exploring answers to one of the greatest questions of all time. More speakers, more panels, more things to do. Join us at the Joshua Tree Retreat Center, which has a long history of sightings and contact experiences. For advanced tickets and conference schedule, go to contactinthedesert.com. That is contactinthedesert.com. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. Focusing now on MacBook, which is a next generation product, Tim Cook said that this was the notebook of the future. Susie Oaks from Macworld. So he telegraphed it to us. Yeah, definitely. I think it is the notebook of the future. Um, Jason Snell wrote the Macworld review and he's like, yeah, this is kind of like it came from the future, but it forgot its ecosystem because, you know, like uh, even Apple's adapters weren't weren't shipping on day one. And and Google had a couple adapters for the Chromebook Pixel that they had shipped and Monoprice had like announced some cables, but not, not shipped them yet. So So we're still kind of piecing together, you know, everything that you need to go with this MacBook. But if you're just buying it as a self-contained, you know, iPad-like computer appliance, it's pretty cool. And the the design is really beautiful. So yeah, I think laptops are going to keep getting slimmer and slimmer and slimmer than, um, yeah, these, these design trade-offs are going to be seen on more, more models. Well, I think we'll see the force touch migrate to the 15-inch MacBook Pro. And the only reason Apple didn't produce it the MacBook Pro with Retina Display is the Broadwell chips and new chipsets. The ones they'd use for a more powerful notebook weren't available yet. Yeah. Yeah, they put the Force Touch trackpad in the 13-inch MacBook Pro with Retina Display. So those are out now. So if you want to try the Force Touch trackpad um, and you don't want the new MacBook, that's another option. Or just, you know, stop by the Apple Store and try them because it's really kind of neat how it tricks your brain into thinking that, that you've clicked when you, the trackpad itself hasn't actually moved. It totally fooled me the first couple times. They said, you know, how, how the, the hinge is at the top and the old trackpad and then it clicks more at the bottom than it does at the top and this clicks the same everywhere. But it, I had to really wrap my brain around like it's not clicking at all. Like that's a vibration that it's making that make you think it's clicking and and then software developers can use it too. So uh, Apple did a, a demo when, on QuickTime. You can, 
the harder you press on the fast forward button, the the faster your video fast forwards. So so that's got some great great uh, potential, I think too. So we can see that maybe on the next iPhone, maybe on the next iPad, maybe on so. the next Apple TV. That'd be interesting with a TV kind of touch-based remote. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool. Uh, we saw that rumor this week that the the new Apple TV would have a remote with a little touchpad. Um, that would be you know nice for scrolling and stuff. But yeah, if you could get some kind of haptic feedback in a, a force touch kind of sense, um, that would be cool because a lot of times when you're um, navigating with your TV remote, um, at least with the ones, the, the old style remotes with the big buttons, once you learn the buttons, you can use them without looking at the remote. So you're, you're staring at the TV, but you know, you're hitting all the right buttons at a remote without looking down. Um, when you go to a touchscreen remote, like the remote app on the iPhone, you know, the, the whole touchscreen feels the same. So you have to kind of look. Um, so if they can, they can sort of marry those ideas in a new Apple TV remote that has some buttons, but it also has this little, this little touchscreen, but it gives you some feedback. Yeah, that could be great. Great for navigating around without having to look down. I wonder if it was possible here to vary the feedback depending on what part of the touchscreen you touch. So if you touch like a illustration of a button if you touch one kind of button you'll get one kind of response if you touch another button you get another response yeah or you know you put the volume all the way up and you feel kind of a little bounce when you get to the top so you know that you can't go higher than that or yeah there's all kinds of cool things they could do with it well let's look that let's take a look at the potential for apple tv so we're hearing talk of a touchpad now let's go over the rumors i've heard you can add a few of yourself okay A8 processor is one. Sure. Siri support. (laughs) Yeah, we definitely need Siri on the Apple TV. That would be huge. Especially Um, in the family. I can see you and your son. And -hmm. you're saying, I want to watch this. Siri, put on whatever particular show you want to watch for the summer. One of the summer shows. You want to see Under the Dome, the CBS show based on the Stephen King novel. And your son says, give me Disney Channel. (laughs) Yeah, who's it going to listen to, right? Yeah, that'd be funny if you could tell Siri, like, who the boss is at your house and it would know whose voice is, uh, who should reign supreme in those kind of situations. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, The Fire TV from Amazon has a remote that has a little microphone and you can press a button and talk into your remote and do a search. And it has a really cool kind of system-wide search where you could search for under the dome and you're not really sure, you know, you can't remember what service it's on. And it could say, oh, okay, you can buy under the dome from Amazon for this much. Since you have Prime, you could also stream it for free. Uh, you don't have Prime, but you have Hulu and it's in Hulu. So you could go watch it over there. So it kind of, you don't have to know which service, um, you know, each show is on, which is really great. And that's something that Apple TV would hugely benefit from i'll give you one thing you've raised here you've raised a really important point here which is channel clutter mm-hmm. so right now every so often you read about more channels being added to apple tv but if you look at roku if you added everything it's like a thousand to two thousand channels yeah they have over three thousand they have a ton three thousand now oh yeah. my god all but right some of them are super niche like it's basically like a youtube channel like as a, as a channel like something just so specific and so, like, yeah, main, mainstream stuff is not quite that many. Like, mo- most people wouldn't be interested in the majority of those channels. 
But it's nice to have a big number to say, hey, we have 3,000 channels. Okay, but here's the problem, you see. Even with a few dozen, you can opt not to display a channel, mm -hmm. other than, of course, Apple's. But you can opt not to display it. Same thing on a Roku. You don't have to display all 3,000 channels or whatever it is. You can display what you want. The problem being that even then, you got Amazon Instant Video, you've got Netflix, you've got Hulu Plus, maybe you add HBO Now and a few other things. And suddenly you've got a mess there. You want to watch a show and you've got to deal with somewhat different interfaces, even if they all meet the same standards, different logins. And maybe the big answer here, and you mentioned it with Siri before, is to abstract all that because that's the problem that's created for itself. At least, you know, if you're watching your cable or satellite network, you're watching Dish Network, DirecTV, Cox, Comcast, you have one interface with a bunch of channels and you're using that one interface for all the navigation, for pre-recording, that kind of thing. But if you've got to launch a separate app for each of 10 different shows you watch, you end up with a confusing mess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another great feature that they should explore is some kind of universal queue where I can say, okay, I'm interested in like, you know, right now I'm watching The West Wing on Netflix and I'm watching, um, you know, I'm rewatching The Wire on HBO now and I'm watching something else. And I could, you know, sort of save those and it could it could say like oh do you want to resume the, the last thing you were doing but make it like a cross service thing where you can have you know you can tell the apple tv like oh it's it's susie i'm back and it could say oh susie here's what you were watching last time and you know maybe the, it could be a, a different list for my son so it's not always offering you know me sesame street and paw patrol um that that would be really cool it would be some kind of uh you know personal cues for for different family members now, what I usually do with Apple TV, and I watch Netflix a lot, is I finish a show and I go back up one level with the remote mm -hmm. to leave it there so I wouldn't accidentally start the next episode or something. And then I'll get back to the TV. I'm using a Harmony Universal remote for everything but Apple TV, and I'll talk to you about that remote in a moment. Okay, so then I watch whatever I'm going to watch I'm the regular Cox communications connection that I have here in Arizona. And now I go back to Apple TV. I want to see the next episode of Daredevil. And so I switch to Apple TV and I'm a couple of levels removed from where I want to be. And I'm going to go back and forth a couple of times, click here, click there to get to the next episode. Now, in that respect, I found Roku a little bit better. That it would get me back to Netflix where I was and get me to the next episode of the show. I cannot do that as easily on the Apple TV. So that's another issue where the interaction with the user and the interface and the common situation where you're switching to another device to watch something and then returning, that's not being considered. So I think there we have one problem. But yeah. as far, I want to go into this in our next segment about the problem with the current Apple remote in addition to having too few buttons that we hope will be addressed with a new one, whether it has a touchpad or not. But let me tell you to go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com to subscribe to our premium service for better quality audio, the ad-free version of the show for a modest monthly, annual, or five-year fee. That's plus.technightowl.com. We have more to come on Apple TV for the future with Susie Oaks of Macworld. 
on the Tech Night Out Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. So Mark and I are out at the range shooting our AR-15 rifles built from AR-15 kits from Guns80.com when Dave walks up and he says, Hey, did you guys hear about Jade Helm? You know, the government doesn't care about the Posse Comitatus Act. And Jade Helm, the troops are going to come and they may come after us and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, oh my God, dude, look. I take a 30-shot magazine. I put it in my AR-15 built from a kit from Guns80.com. I unload it on the target. Jade Helm? I mean, really? Guns80.com. 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 Go now. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's DrOrtman.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Susie Oaks of Macworld here on the Tech Night Owl Live. We're focusing on the possible next generation of Apple TV. We might learn about this In the WWDC keynote in June, if Apple opens up, say, the third-party company, a developer portal for Apple TV, then that might be the place for it. If it's going to be a new consumer product, it might not come till fall. But let's talk about the remote and address this. Now, when Steve Jobs first introduced the Apple remote, look how few buttons we've had. And you see the slim trim Apple remote, which is more handheld remote and very few buttons. Then you take a typical remote from anything else. It's got a zillion buttons, not many of which are clear enough to go back and forth to intuitively. It's difficult. We understand the simplicity. The downside, and I think Susie will agree with me, is having so few buttons, it's lots of clicking and clicking through menus. Yeah, yeah. Um, Getting Siri control would really speed that up. If you just navigate with the Apple remote, um, yeah, then the 
getting around is takes a lot of clicking, especially um, like once you're logged in, everything it's fine. But if there's a new channel and you have to sign in with your you know cable credentials, any kind of sign in with that remote is terrible because you have to select things one at a time. You know each letter, and then the same thing with search. Um, searching can take forever. So yeah, the Fire TV does does pretty well with that too. Um, and especially what you mentioned about um, being able to pick up where you left off. It kind of even like preloads the things that it guesses you might want to watch. So things in your watch list and the last things that you were watching, it, it kind of pre-caches them. So when you start them, they, they start playing instantly. So I think that Apple should, should definitely uh, borrow a few things from the Fire TV when they overhaul the Apple TV. You kind of wonder here that and of course Roku, the fact here is that Apple really wants you to go to iTunes and everything else is an option. And that's front and center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's funny, like the we use the Apple TV constantly because we're, we're cord cutters. So most of what we watch is routed through the Apple TV. And it's always trying to get us, you know, like the, the first screen that you open up has all like the, the, the popular movies. And it's it's just always like pushing that stuff on you. And if you want to get to the movies that you actually own, that's like just one spot or you have to like click through a couple different menus to get to get to the movies that you own, which is weird. So, yeah, it's, it's always pushing you to the store more than than your your own library. It's kind of what they did with iTunes 12, too, where the store is everywhere and you feel like you're, you're always in the store, even if you're just trying to listen to the stuff that you already own. Always defaults to the store. And in this case, that's not the best idea, especially if you're offering a lot of channels because it goes against the use case. And if you don't like the product because of the interface irregularities, what do you do next time? Maybe you'll go to a Roku or yeah. one of the Amazon products, especially Roku. I rather like Roku. Mm-hmm. When I got nice. it, I ended up giving it to somebody. But it was a pretty good use case for once you get through the channel clutter, being able to stay where you were regardless of what channel because Roku is not pushing a channel. Yeah, it's Roku agnostic. Care In Apple's case, it's all Apple's product and then everything else. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, Roku's a great solution it, for a lot of people. Okay, but can you think here also of the possibility here that Apple may have to give in to having more dedicated buttons for different things? Yeah, the problem that I have with the Apple TV remote um, and not having enough buttons is um, that you always have to have your your TV remote around too if you want to change the volume. So I don't know if they need like just to put an IR blaster in there so you can kind of you know teach it to, to to adjust your TV volumes. I have a little IR thing um, called the Blue Moo that I reviewed. I think for Tech Hive, it probably went on Macworld too. Um, that you know, let, lets me send signals over Bluetooth from my cell, from my smartphone um, to this little thing that's hanging up on my TV, and then it uh, rebroadcasts those as IR signals, to, so I can adjust the volume of my TV and turn it on and off from my phone without my TV remote. Um, but yeah, that required you know like an extra an extra app and an extra piece of hardware. So if Apple could figure out how to make the Apple TV remote the only remote you need. The the button thing, like, yeah, it, it should have, like, volume buttons if they can figure out how to make it adjust your TV's volume because then I don't need my TV remote at all if I can turn the TV on and off 
from the Apple TV remote. And then, yeah, if they add a microphone and Siri for things like voice search and, you know, dictating your logins, I guess, if you don't feel weird, like saying your password out loud, um, I think that could really solve a lot of things. Well, of course, with a verbal password with eight, 10 or 12 letters and numbers, you know, T like in Tom, C like in yeah, camera, whatever stink. it is, yeah, that's, that's going to be just idea. completely wacky. And I don't know whether that would even be safe. The other possibility you just raised is that Apple makes the next remote for Apple TV, a potential universal remote like a Logitech Harmony, mm-hmm. where you can actually add a number of extra devices to it and have it be your central control for everything. Because that's the problem, as you see now. The Apple TV remote is only for Apple TV. Yeah. It sort of kind of works with a Logitech Harmony remote. But still, you're forced to use somebody else's remote to integrate with other things in your TV because you can't tell people don't get a gaming console, don't get a Blu-ray, don't get your stereo system or your sound bar or your sound base or anything like that. You can't tell them that. So you now have that added layer of complexity that's always going to be there, that's always going to make your TV experience unsatisfactory, especially having to integrate different IR sensors from different devices. And that's a problem I have with the Apple remote. It has such a narrow range of activity. If I don't hold it just so, it doesn't hit the Apple TV, which is on top of the sound base right next to my TV set. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit above the level of our bed, but I still have to point it just so it doesn't have a wide range of activity. A lot of other remotes do. That's a shortcoming. Apple has to address it or maybe add an optional Wi-Fi, but then if you're going to integrate the remote with other devices, you have to have IR and Wi-Fi and what else? I don't know, Bluetooth? Yeah, the Apple TV already has a little Bluetooth in it. You can connect a Bluetooth keyboard to, to enter searches. But the next Apple TV will probably get a stronger Bluetooth radio because they're also making it uh, like a HomeKit hub. So when you have HomeKit compatible devices in your house, like light bulbs or cameras or any of these smart home products that are HomeKit compliant, which means they were certified by Apple, you'll be able to kind of group them in the scenes and control them from your phone or your watch through Siri. And so if you're in your house, that just happens directly over your home network. And the devices all talk to each other with Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. So, But if you're away from your house, the Apple TV can kind of be the gateway. So the Apple TV will use Bluetooth to talk to the devices in your house, and then you'll have a cloud connection over the Apple TV's Wi-Fi to be able to you know, check your security cameras when you're away from home or, or see that the garage door was open and close it. Um, so yeah, like stronger Bluetooth will be in the next Apple TV. So then um, yeah, they can use that for other things too. Like they could put Bluetooth in the remote for Siri. Yeah. I mean, have you, have you tried the, the remote app on the iPhone? Because I mean, it's sort of inconvenient because you have to have your iPhone with you, but it works over Wi-Fi, So you don't have the problem of, you know, having it, it needs to be pointed right at the Apple TV. And, and then when you need to type in something like the keyboard just comes up and you can use the keyboard. So that's a big time saver. I have it, and mostly because of the inconvenience of adding another device in bed. I'm sitting there, and I've got my Logitech remote for all the other devices, and I've got the Apple remote, which is very small. Obviously, if I have the iPhone, it's bigger. So, (laughs) you know, there's a complexity here. And this is when Tim Cook says that he goes into his living room, and I expect he's got some kind of living room, Tim Cook. 
<laughs> I hope but so. But he's encountering, I hope so. I know he obviously doesn't <laughs> like to spend a lot of money. But, you know, he lives in a one-room shack somewhere, a little manufactured home that's worth about $5,000. I'm joking, folks. He doesn't really. But I'm thinking here, he's saying that the experience is, isn't good. And I'm thinking, why isn't the experience good? And I think a lot of it is managing multiple devices, getting all things to work consistently, reliably. A lot of that is a problem. We have no problems in saying that Susie Oak's going to be here for one more segment on the Tech Night Owl Live. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. Did you know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high-energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. 
The Genesis Communications Network is one of America's premier broadcasters of captivating talk radio. We thank you for listening. Now, now, just imagine, there are thousands of people who are just as passionate about radio as you are. But what you may not realize is how easy and affordable it is to advertise with us. Radio commercials for your business could be heard on hundreds of radio stations across the U.S. every day. We can help you by creating an effective radio advertising campaign for your company. From script writing to producing your commercial, just like the one you're listening to right now. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us and advertise at GCNlive.com. And an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Susie Oaks from Macworld, where she is executive editor, chief cook and bottle washer. And since <laughs> IDG is cut back a little bit, she's sweeping the floors too, right? Yep. Yeah. I, I come in on Sundays just to, you know, tidy up a little bit. And then you go home and your husband says, why is the house dirty? <laughs> yeah, that's his job. <laughs> that's right. He's got to do his share. And that includes taking care of the kid. Yep. Well, well, at least your kid's past the terrible the twos now, so he's in good shape. Yeah. Yeah. He's really, really good at being three, I'll tell you. He's three and a half now, right? In a few days, that's a benchmark. Yeah, we're hitting a new milestone. Three and a half. I remember that like it was yesterday with Grayson. Two, two and a half, three. I remember he was three, four years old. He'd go to my Mac and say, can I trash this? <laughs> yeah, he just learned how to use my Mac. He wanted to, to, you know, he sees me using it constantly and he's very familiar with the iPad. So he wanted to, to learn about the Mac and I showed him Photo Booth. He loves it because he loves taking selfies. It's all about him, right? So it's really hard to keep him from tapping the screen. He keeps reaching up, especially when you're going to that screen where you choose the effects. It gives you like a grid of different photo effects you can add. Um, he's always tapping them and I had to teach him like, no, you have to go down to the trackpad and you put the little arrow on the thing and then you press the trackpad and he's like, wow, this is so inefficient. <laughs> like you can just sort of see his little brain being like, but if I just touch it, then it should, it should work. They're in that generation where every screen is a touch screen. It's been a lot of fun showing him the, the different technology. He wanted to see how the iPad plugs in the other day because, you know, he knows that batteries die and then you plug them in and then they come back. And so he was wondering how that all works. And I was showing him the cable and he's like, that's very interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. What about Apple Watch? Yeah, I thought he would love the Apple Watch, but he has not been that impressed. Um, he likes Mickey Mouse, so I had the Mickey Mouse face on it. I'm like, look, Mickey Mouse is dancing. But to him, technology is for watching Netflix, taking selfies, or playing Tokoboka games. And, you know, the Apple Watch doesn't do any of that. So he is not super interested in the Apple Watch yet. Games on Apple TV. Is that another potential addition that Apple might make? Yeah, they could. I don't know if they really need to. The Fire TV did games and we weren't super impressed with it as a games machine. Um, it was playing a lot of mobile games. 
So yeah, I mean, if you really need another way to play Angry Birds, then I guess the Apple TV could do that. But I just, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not super interested in it as a gaming machine. I think they should just stick to, to entertainment and, and not try to be a game console because the game consoles are just better at that. Yes, but if they include the new chipset from Apple, yeah, yeah, I mean, metal the metal support. Yeah, they they could do it, and they might try, and you know, have like the iPhone be the controller. There are already a few games where your iPad or your iPhone can like AirPlay part of the game to the Apple TV, and then um, you use the iPad to control it. So I think there's like a driving game where cars are displayed on the Apple TV and then you, you twist and turn the iPad to steer the cars. And I think there might be like some Pictionary games where, you know, you draw on your device's touchscreen and then the drawing shows up on the TV and you, you, you like play it with friends, like a party game. Um, so yeah, the, there are already some, some, some games kind of using the Apple TV for that. Um, oh, I tried a fun fitness one. I can't remember what it's called. I think it was called like Jammo or something where you hold your iPhone and there's a lady on screen doing kind of a dance to a song and you have to hold your iPhone in your hand and dance along and they use the accelerometers and the gyroscope in the iPhone to see how close you're matching what's happening on screen. So, and then it gives you a score for, you know, so it's kind of like a fitness thing with like a, a gamification to it. So that's kind of fun. Maybe they could do something unique like that, but if they're just like, okay, here's another, another place to play games. It could catch on, I don't know, because gaming's really big on iOS, so they could figure out a way to bring it to the TV. It's only logical. One more thing. Very little of the speculation I've seen on Apple TV mentions support for the new 4K video standard. And certainly Apple does support that on some of the newer Macs you could output to a 4K video. You have the iMac 5K, of course. Mm -hmm. So Apple is certainly into the new standards. But right now, the market share of 4K or Ultra HD is in the single digits. But prices of those sets are coming down. Companies like Vizio have them now for less than $1,000. That being the case, wouldn't Apple want to have support for 4K in the next Apple TV? I mean, Netflix has streaming that way, Amazon Instant Video. 4K support is coming. It's not super mature yet. It's definitely not mainstream. So yeah, you need a 4K display and those are getting cheaper. You also need really good bandwidth. And, you know, a lot of people's internet connections aren't going to really be up to the task of streaming a lot of 4K. Um, and then you need 4K content. So yeah, Netflix has 4K streams, but, you know, to certain devices. And it's not all of Netflix. It's like, you know, a handful of, of things. In a few more years, that might all be ready to the point where Apple's like, yeah, okay, like we're, we're in on this 4K. But they sort of dragged their feet on Blu-ray. Um, they didn't add Blu-ray to Macs like ever. And Steve Jobs called it a bag of hurt. And then it turned out that Blu-ray kind of fizzled and went away. So I, I don't, I think 4K is, is going to happen, but it's, it's not really ready yet for most people because you need all those things. You need the display and the network and the content. And so they don't, they don't need to add 4K to make it a compelling product. Like a few people will complain that it doesn't have 4K, but I, don't, I think most people won't really care, at least at this point. And a few years later, it might be more important. Well, the AA chip, I believe, does support that resolution. So it's something Apple could turn on at yeah. a future date. The other thing to bear in mind is I don't quite agree with you about Blu-ray not going anywhere. It didn't go as far as the original DVD format, but there's still quite a bit of Blu-ray content out there. 
Yeah, Although that's the true. DVD players now, almost everyone is Blu-ray, even the $60 ones. It's 3D that didn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's 3D that didn't go anywhere. Blu-ray did. But it's not like I've, I've still never had anything that played Blu-ray and it's been fine because, you know, so much of the content is streaming now. So like you don't even need to buy it on discs. Oh, that's one thing right there. I don't buy too many Blu-ray discs anymore. I just rent the movie because I have to think if I'm spending 20 or $25 for this, that's the discount price at Amazon. Mm-hmm. Will I ever watch that movie again? Yeah. And if I'm not going to watch it at least three or four times. It's not worth it. I might as well rent it again. Because after the initial release, it might be free on HBO or Showtime or something. If I want to record it, I can record it on the DVR. So why do I have to do it? In any case, do we assume here that it's a lock that Apple TV will come by fall? A new one? Yeah, I'm pretty optimistic that, that it's going to happen. The The rumors have not just been like, oh, you know, someone, that newspaper in Taiwan that is Digitimes <laughs> wrote about it and some obscure rumor from deep in the supply chain. Like these, these rumors are pretty credible. Like, you know, it seems like some information has been revealed to some people who have good Apple sources that are have been right before. So, yeah, I think that it's probably happening. I mean, whether or not like it's out this fall or, or next Next spring or you know the exact timeline it's harder to say but yeah it's it seems like it's coming and you know we'll know for sure if they mention it at wwdc which is june 8th i believe so coming up soon Susie, where can we find more information about what you do um i'm at macworld.com so stop on by macworld.com Susie oaks thanks for joining us in the tech night out live thanks for having me it's always fun Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Attention, do you owe money to the IRS or have years of unfiled returns? Are you being audited or receiving threatening letters? If the answer is yes, you need help. The IRS can seize your property and assets, impose fines and penalties, garnish your wages, and even go after your bank account. Don't take on the IRS by yourself. Don't let the IRS destroy your life. Take action now. Call our team of experts for a free and confidential initial evaluation. We've helped thousands resolve their tax problems. Let us help you. 800-261-7073. 800-261-7073. How good people procrastinate. When was the last time you updated your last will and testament, your living will, and your health care power of attorney? If you could get these documents included with your Legal Shield membership for no additional charge, wouldn't it just make sense to have the peace of mind of owning a Legal Shield membership? Worry less and live more with LSProtection.com. That's LSProtection.com or call 855 855- 
340-SAVE. That's 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. You've heard them on Alex Jones. You've seen them on Ancient Aliens. Now come see them live at Contact in the Desert 2015 in Joshua Tree this May. Experience four full days of science-centered lectures, workshops, intensives, and fieldwork on ancient astronauts, extraterrestrial intelligence, human origins, crop circles, contact experiences, UFO sightings, and more. Meet Chariots of the Gods author Eric Von Daniken, Ancient Aliens host Giorgio A. Sokolos, New York Times bestselling author David Wilcock, Dead Dog. Doctors Don't Lie author Dr. Joel Wallach, astronauts Edgar Mitchell and Story Musgrave, Earth Files publisher Linda Moulton Howe, author Jim Mars, and many of the world's most respected researchers and scientists exploring answers to one of the greatest questions of all time. More speakers, more panels, more things to do. Join us at the Joshua Tree Retreat Center, which has a long history of sightings and contact experiences. For advanced tickets and conference schedule, go to contactinthedesert.com. That is contactinthedesert.com. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. So from the Mac Observer, we have Jeff Gamut joining us. And it's fitting that we talked to him today because in the first portion of the show, we featured Susie Oaks, the executive editor from Macworld magazine. And I asked her a key question. There are rumors, of course, about a brand new Apple TV coming real soon now. And I'll ask Jeff his expectations. But one of the expectations is whether or not there'll be support for 4K or Ultra HD. And as I mentioned in the previous segment, right now the market share of 4K is in the single digits among TVs in the U.S., but more and more cheaper 4K sets are coming to market from Vizio and other companies for less than $1,000 for large-screen TV sets. So it's spreading far and wide. Apple has added 4K support for second monitors on some recent Macs and notebooks. Of course, we have the iMac 5K with even more pixels. So the question, Jeff, is do you think Apple has to or will give you 4K support with the next Apple TV? All right. I don't think they have to, but I think that from a marketing standpoint, they probably should. So what I'm thinking may happen is that Apple is going to roll out 
a new model. So we have multiple versions of Apple TV. So we'll have starting at $69, and that will be Apple TV with 1080p. And then they'll have a higher price model, and that will be the 4K version. So you get either a 1080p version or a 4K version, and the difference will be, what, say $30 or something. Right, right. And uh, and then other other features, I think, will be pretty much the same across the board. Like, I, I'm thinking this may be the year when Apple really does start adding true app support to Apple TV. And, uh, and then at that point, it becomes our gaming console as well. Yeah, uh, I think games will be a big thing. And then, yeah, in some cases, there may be channels that that you can get as apps. Uh, but I don't think we're going to see Apple TV suddenly become our replacement for our laptops. It, so we're not going to have like like full-on spreadsheet applications and word processors on our televisions. It, it will be more, I think, towards the entertainment side of things, so games, and then basic information things, so like uh, like weather tracking and 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 there maybe we'll have news apps and things like that too. Now the f- question I also raised here in the previous segment is: if you have so many channels, and we know you can hide them, but you have lots and lots of channels, it's got to get real confusing to navigate. Oh, it's already horribly confusing to navigate. Apple needs to fix that really bad and like right away. And I'm hoping that in June, when WWDC happens, that Apple will announce a new interface for Apple TV. The the interface was fine when there was just basically one television screen worth of channels to choose from. But we've gone way beyond that. And there's just so much... And yeah, it's just too confusing now. Apple needs to to change the interface. There has to be something, I think, that in part abstracts the choice of content regardless of the source. And this can be a problem, of course. Now, on Roku, what you can do is say you select a particular movie you'd like to rent. And because they give a couple of different options for movie rentals, you choose the one you want. So you see, okay, I want to watch the last Captain America movie, The Winter Soldier, and I see it's available in two or three different places. I choose which one. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, Apple doesn't want to do that with regard to their own content vis-a-vis others. But if you're looking for specific content, it has to be focused on that and not the channels, which may go against the grain for these content providers. Yeah, so... That's going to be a tough one for Apple because I, I totally agree with you. If you're having to look for content based on source as opposed to based on what you want to watch, then it's not a very compelling system for finding your content. And TiVo is a perfect example of, of that in action. On TiVo, you just say, I want to see everything related to Captain America. And then it finds it, and it doesn't matter where it came from. It's just there for you. And Apple needs to do something like that with Apple TV, I think. Now, sometimes in the past, people have suggested Apple should have purchased TiVo. Is TiVo even doing that much anymore? I I think they are, but that's totally anecdotal evidence, because... 
I, I know people that are using TiVo, so I'm basing my assumption on that. I got rid of my cable TV subscription several years ago and then sold my TiVo and, and haven't looked back. But if I had a cable subscription still, I wouldn't even think of using anything other than a TiVo with it. And, and I have a feeling there's still a lot of people out there that are in the same boat. It's, it's TiVo or you just don't do it at all. They're advertising right now a system for $12.50 a month. So this yeah. is a rental system. Instead of buying one, you rent it. All right. Well, that's another way to get people into the TiVo game. A, a, a TiVo, in the grand scheme of things, is not an expensive device. But for some people, when they're having to pay uh, well over $100 a month just for their cable subscription, then to have to shell out the money for uh, a TiVo on top of that, that might be cost prohibitive. So doing a, a, a rental thing like that, I think that kind of makes sense. Because buying one can cost up to $600. And if you're already paying for a bundle for your cable or satellite service, is it worth it? There is a TiVo option still for DirecTV. So if you're a DirecTV subscriber, that's it. The other question here is, if you're using one of the other cable or satellite services, well, with cable, there is that alleged cable card that may or may not be useful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the cable service providers, on one hand, you'd think that they would want to do everything they could to make it easy for you to want to stay subscribed. But then on the other hand, we have the the word cable card thing where they can be hard to get a hold of and they don't always work. And and then you're just kind of stuck with with this frustrating loop where you just you, you keep getting the same answers and you don't get solutions. And that just seems really weird to me. If someone wants to to bring their own TiVo to the game and they're going to pay for your cable subscription, why not just make it real easy for people? With cable card, they make it even more confusing because sometimes, even though you can just plug it in, insert that into your TiVo or whatever, they might require sending over a service person <laughs> to Which put a card ridiculous. into a slot. I mean, they are so dumb. Plus, the limitation of the initial cable card was that it was a one-way communication. So if you wanted on-demand or something like that, order pay-per-view... You couldn't do it. There's no two-way communication. Supposedly, there was to be a revision to the cable card to allow that. And then you don't hear from it anymore. Now, I have to say, in all fairness, that the cable boxes from the cable and satellite services have become better. So the interfaces are easier. There are season pass kinds of features. So it's somewhat better, somewhat improved. So from really bad, it's become mediocre. Well, okay, I guess that's a step in the right direction, but it's still no TiVo. And because it's still only a step in the right direction, this is a great opportunity for Apple to to step up their game with Apple TV and do what they do really well and, and give us a good user experience. I would love to see that. So we'll see, maybe. Will Apple out... TiVo, TiVo, with their own subscription service and the interface to die for. Who knows? We've got more to come with 
Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. If you constantly feel run down and tired, your pH level might be low and your body could be full of toxins. If what you drink is not at a pH level of 8 or higher, you are inviting bacteria and acid to thrive in your body. But there is something you can do. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops to your water to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise your pH balance to optimum levels. AlkaVision Plasma pH drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals in the world. Alkalizing the water you drink, ridding your body of acidic waste and toxins, and helping you regain energy and vibrant health. And studies show viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline, high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel? I'm Don from New Mexico. January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Then my real health began going downhill, and I had uh, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, poor vision, and I really wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess, pretty much. Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract. I started taking uh, heart and body extract, and from within a few days, I started sleeping a lot better. My blood pressure uh, normalized, my blood sugar normalized, and uh, my sleep really did improve. Experience these benefits and more when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract. Order at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. Folks, I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and 9th day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking Heart and Body Extract. Details at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. 
But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. Please go to plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com to learn about our premium service. Tech Night Owl Plus, where you get the ad-free version of the show, better audio quality, all that good stuff plus.technighthow.com. From the Mac Observer, Jeff Gamut joins us. And we're getting into the cord-cutting dilemma here, okay? Because we started with 4K support, whether it will come even in a higher-cost model of Apple TV. About the interface dilemma, maybe Apple comes up with the interface to die for. And that gets into the entire cord-cutters dilemma, where more and more people are giving up the traditional cable or satellite TV, their growth is flatlined. So it's not like, you know, a mass exodus, but young people who can't afford paying 50 or 100 or $200 a month for all that stuff, they want a cheaper solution. They get Netflix. And we see an indication of this with Sling TV from Dish Network. They give you a small set of channels streaming only. But to me, that's like basic cable, isn't it? Just without the cable connection. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's also, I think, an indication that that some of the companies are picking up on the dissatisfaction that customers and potential customers have. Yeah, you, you said that that there's a lot of younger people that are just simply forgoing cable because they can get a system where where they're getting content online. And I did the same thing. I wouldn't consider myself young in the way you were probably mentioning. However. I found that the cable subscription for the money I was paying was not worth it anymore. And since I'm not into spectator sports, it was easy for me to cut that cable. But for a lot of people, sports alone will keep them in, in a cable subscription because they, they want to have their football and their basketball. And, and that's not as easy to get once you cut your cord. Now, I think a lot of the cord cutters are also people under 30 because the job market's more difficult. People just don't have that disposable income. So they look for creative solutions. As you say, if you're a sports fan, it's difficult. Also, local stations are difficult because right now the choice you have is you may get this basic service like a Sling TV or just get Hulu Plus or Netflix or rely on Apple iTunes, whatever you do. You want the local stations because people still watch a lot of those broadcasts. Plus, they carry sports. They carry the news and everything. And so you want those stations. You set up an antenna. Now, if mm-hmm. you're very close to the transmission point, that's fine. If you're not, 
the antenna you get may have to be mounted on the roof. But if you live in an apartment or you rent from somebody who doesn't want that to happen, what do you do? How do you get the local stations? You go right back again to basic cable. Or now the head of Dish Network says, well, we'll give you another tier of broadcast stations. So it's all bait and switch. You know, We'll get you the basic yep. package. And if you want anything on it, the price goes up. And suddenly, you look at the options that Dish or DirecTV or these other services are offering. It's not so much less. And there's another problem, which I keep mentioning, and it's not being really given enough coverage. Online streaming counts against your ISP's bandwidth cap. A lot of those ISP's have their own TV services, so they're not going to be inclined to give you a break if you're getting your TV service from somebody else. Yep, that's true. And you kind of touched on another big thing, which is the cost. If you're getting all of your content online, a lot of that you're having to pay other subscriptions for. Like I pay for Netflix streaming. If you're paying for Netflix streaming and then you decide you want to get HBO now and then you're going to pay for a couple of the other things, like there, there's some uh, some sports packages that you can get online. At what point is it actually more cost effective to pay for a cable or satellite television subscription instead? A basic Dish Network subscription is $29.99 for the first year. That's $59.99. Seems like a lot. Well, you're getting 120 stations. You're getting free HD, a free DVR. Wait a minute. Suddenly it's not so bad. Maybe after the first year, you can always say, I'm going to leave if you don't give me a break. And maybe they'll give you a cut somewhere along the line. I've done that. When I had DirecTV, after the initial contract period expired and I ran out of discounts, I'd say, I'm going to leave if you don't give me another discount. And somehow their customer retention office always manages to find some kind of discount. They find a new discount or they're like, well, just this once, I'm going to be able to override this for you. Yeah, there's always a way, it seems. And I'm looking as I go along to see what Cox is offering. Say I want to shop for TV, all right? So we look at what they have and I want to shop for a TV package. And let's see how cheap we can get it. This is cable TV, a traditional, old-fashioned cable TV provider. Mm-hmm. And the only problem is I already have service with them, so I really have to kind of make up an address here. So let me just make up an address. And there it is, place I used to live. And let's see what they offer for a place I used to live at in Scottsdale, Arizona. And they have bundles. They want to sell you the bundles. I don't want the bundles. It's always the bundles. I just want the TV. Get rid of that. Get rid of the phone. And uh, I just want the basic thing. So there is a package here for $34.99 with 250 channels, including local channels, including Spanish language channels, if I want that. And that's their way of offering something cheap. 155 channels starts at $38.99. Wow. So the key is here is there are basic cheap packages And you think, well, Sling TV is giving you something for $20. Yeah, but can you use it? Is that enough for you? And what is Apple going to do now? So Apple may or may not have a subscription TV service. That's the rumor. Right. Maybe have 20 or 30 stations. Maybe sell it for $20. That sounds like Sling TV. It sure does. And So if Apple's doing pretty much what Sling TV 
is doing, then they need to find a way to really make it stand out from what everyone else is doing. Uh, but then that's the Apple way. They, they're not first to market with something. But when they show up, they do it in a way that's better than what everyone else is already doing. So I have to think that when Apple rolls out this rumored television service, that even though they'll be offering the same content you can get other places, they're going to be doing it in a way that's very compelling. So the question is, how compelling? Now, Sling TV doesn't give you a traditional DVR. So that's one thing. You know, you want to speed through the commercials with fast forward. Do you get that kind of capability? I heard of one crazy rumor back where... As part of the price and Apple's deals with the content people, they give you the ability to have no commercials or fewer commercials, but you're paying obviously a little bit extra to have that privilege. You know, I think for some people, they would gladly pay for that privilege because, uh, well, okay, for someone like me who doesn't watch regular television hardly ever because I don't have a cable or satellite TV subscription. When I do watch something that has commercials in it, it's very distracting and annoying. And and I do get to see that on a regular basis. So, uh, As an example, one of the shows that I watch regularly is Gotham. And I'm watching it streaming from the Fox Now channel on my Apple TV. And it has commercials the whole way through, just like traditional over-the-air television. And it really breaks up the continuity of the show for me. In contrast, when I watch Daredevil on Netflix streaming, no commercials, and it's great. You're, you're in the show the whole way through. And with Gotham, it's hard for me to stay focused on the show, even though I'm really enjoying it. It's because of all the commercials. Now, I use the DVR to skip through the commercials on Gotham. Now, Gotham is the Batman prequel. It's about Commissioner Gordon before he became a commissioner when he when he was just a detective. And you've got the younger versions of all the famous Batman villains like the Riddler we're starting to see developed. And, and the we penguin. See the penguin awesome character. Now, the guy who plays the penguin, and he's a young guy. He's got to be a guy in his late 20s or something. Robin Lord Taylor. He is one fabulous, wacky character actor. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah, it's, they could have done the whole show about the penguin, and it's just just that that show him playing that character, and I would have been in. It's just absolutely fantastic. It's yeah. all I think about him, and he's in every episode. Understand Which is great. That. You know, so he's in every episode, so we understand what's going on there. And actually, he's older than I thought he was. He's actually thirty-seven. Robin no Lord, kidding. Robin Lord Taylor, he is. He's a short guy, five foot six, about the same height as my son, but he stands tall as an actor. We'll talk about more of this in a moment. Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observers here. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N. Do good people ever want to call an attorney just to find out if they're right or wrong? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what are you forced to think about first? Money. If you could call as often as you wanted and talk as long as you need without a bill, would you call? 
Worry less and live more with LSProtection.com. That's LSProtection.com or call 855-340-SAVE. That's 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carding to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800 800- If the IRS has garnished your paycheck or seized money from your bank account, you need to get professional tax help now. Fast action is required to put a halt to these aggressive IRS collection tactics. You can count on the knowledgeable team of tax professionals at Walland Associates. With over 30 years of experience, Walland Associates has settled the tax problems of thousands of taxpayers for a small fraction of what they owed. For a free face-to-face consultation, call 1-800-425-4610 to put a wall between you and the IRS. 1-800-425-4610 or look for us on the web at wallandassociates.net. We solve tax problems. If you hire Walland Associates today, you'll never have to talk to the IRS again. To stop the levies and seizures today, take action now. Call Walland Associates at 1-800-425-4610. Walland Associates, 1-800-425-4610. Based on actual cases, results may vary. Not a solicitation for legal services. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So if you want to watch Gotham, that's on the Fox network. You have to have some way of getting that content. If you just download it from one of the services, you put up with commercials. If you subscribe to one of the cable satellite packages, you can fast forward. You've got the dish hopper, which may or may not let you skip commercials, depending on whether you wait two or three days. That makes no sense to me either, by the way. okay? No, that makes no sense at all. Now, Daredevil... We're not talking about the movie with Ben Affleck, who's now known as Batman and Batman v Superman or something like that. But we're talking about a completely redone series, real, real gritty. This is street level stuff. The fight scenes are very graphic. And when you see Daredevil, the beginning Daredevil, because he doesn't get the costume till later in the first season, you see him getting the tar beaten out of him. As much as he beats up the criminals, well, he's human. So he gets beaten up pretty good, too. He's constantly Mm -hmm. bruised. And I like that the bruises that he gets in the previous episode are still there in the next one. So it's not like he magically heals. I I, I like that uh, subtle, realistic touch. And I also like that the way they've they've done the series, and this is a Netflix original series, so you're not going to see it on, on regular television. I like that they've done each episode as if it's a mini movie and the production quality is fantastic and you're not pulled out of the story at any point because you don't have commercials. 
this is how I love watching television. And I'm paying for that because I have a subscription to Netflix. And I gladly pay for that because I get to watch television on my terms. We're talking about an episode of about 50 minutes. So it's like half a movie. Okay. No commercials, no interruptions. So you can have a story with a beginning, a middle and an end and not have to break every six to 10 minutes because you have to play four commercials. And that changes the structure in writing a script because you don't have these mini breaks that you have to lead up to. Instead, you have a more traditional narrative structure. And House of Cards is the same way. And that's why that's such an excellent show. Yeah, we understand Kevin Spacey is way over the top. The point being here, this is part of what you can get if you're not watching traditional TV networks. And you see with Gotham, they're trying for a grittier approach within the structure of those commercials. They're really trying. Because they obviously they have competition now they didn't have before. Right. Well, yeah, Gotham is going up against Arrow and The Flash on traditional television. And, and they're all great shows. And now they have Supergirl coming this fall from the guy who brought you Arrow and Flash. Mm-hmm. And then they've got another DC comic series that's going to be on the CW Network. One of the stars will be Brandon Ralph, who plays right now a character called Atom, A-T-O-M, who wears this suit kind of like Iron Man mm-hmm. on the Arrow and occasionally on the Flash. He played Superman in Superman Returns back in 2006. But Brandon Routh is a lighter kind of actor with a more of a comic approach to the way he does things. But I'll just tell you something about the weird trivia about the name he uses. The character's name is Ray Palmer. Ray Palmer was actually a real person, a famous person or controversial person in the world of science fiction back in the 1940s. He was editor of a magazine called Amazing Stories and also popular or controversial among people interested in the paranormal. And he was a very short guy. He was physically disabled and he stood maybe four foot 10 or four foot eight or something like that. So of course, Brandon Routh is like six two, but the character, the Atom, A-T-O-M with periods, that was created as a comic book and the name chosen in honor of the real Ray Palmer. So every That's time I look at this, I say, Ray Palmer, but I knew that guy also, by the way. So it's kind of funny, that connection. Let's get back to the point here, is that if you want to cut the cord, you have to give up a lot, your local stations and that. You want to add the content you want. Suddenly there's no savings in price. You've got the problem with the internet bandwidth. I think if Apple has a subscription TV set service, they'll try to work out a deal without violating net neutrality to stick their servers at the data centers of the cable and satellite providers so that doesn't count against your bandwidth. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. Yeah, the bandwidth is going to be a huge thing. And and, and well, and it doesn't matter if it's if it's uh, regular high def of the 1080p content or if it's 4K content, because either way, that's going to be a lot of streaming. And, and there are new compression algorithms that, that, well, like Netflix is using, to cut down on the bandwidth for 4K content. But yeah, Apple is going to have to do something to help mitigate that bandwidth usage. And I have 400 gigabytes of bandwidth in my Cox account. And I'm always coming up, no matter what I do, and I don't watch Netflix that often, I'm using 350 already a month, three or 350. So, you know, I'm in a danger zone. Part of it is I use an online backup service 
Mm-hmm. And that's the problem here. Suddenly, you want to back up your stuff off-site in the cloud, and you got a few hundred gigabytes of stuff. That counts against your bandwidth cap, folks. Yep. See, that's another big problem because people forget that all the stuff that they do online counts against their bandwidth cap. And you know, how, how do you ration that out? It's, do you decide this is the month that I don't watch movies? Or And that's not reasonable because people want to see their content. Or is it the one I just give up on the online backups? You know what? I'll, I'll live without it for a month because I can't afford it. But then the next month, it makes up for what you lost because it's still going to back up everything unless you decide that you only want to back up a small amount of stuff. So this is kind of complex. Let's talk about the other thing with regard to cord cutting. And that is the way that the traditional structure of channels is set up by the cable satellite networks. And I mentioned this before, talking about these cheap packages with 100 stations, with 155, with 200. And the problem is that most of you, and I'm no exception, will watch, what, five or 10 stations, maybe 20 at the outset. Maybe one channel has something that you like to watch, and you watch it once a week to see that show. Mm -hmm. I watch something on the Sci-Fi channel. I watch maybe two or three of their shows a week. Or BBC America. I'll see yep. it when Doctor Who is on, but that's what, 10, 12 episodes a year? The problem yeah. here yep. is that you have no choice in the way these packages are set up. If you want to get your core 10, 20 stations or channels, you may have to buy a couple of tiers because it's not all in one tier or package. You have to buy a more expensive package to get all those stations. So you have hundreds of stations you don't want, but you're paying for those stations. So the question is here, why can't they give you a la carte? Which is, I'll take 20 stations, my choice, plus premiums, and I pay a fair price. Well, okay. So I heard an argument several years ago from the cable industry that the reason they can't give us a la carte is because when we're paying for a package to get the the handful of stations we want, we're also supplementing the cost of the more obscure stations that only a few people want. And we wouldn't be able to have content like that if we weren't doing the package deals. I I don't know how legit of an argument that is, but uh, but it sure seems to me like the real thing is, if you look at the way the channels are broken up across packages, they're designed so that there will be channels you want across multiple packages therefore you have to keep up selling to get the the 10 channels you want out of the whole mix the and other that, thing is here the other thing is jeff is that when they get the carrier agreements with these content companies and they have to take a full bundle they can't say i'll take sci-fi and usa network from nbc i don't care about the rest they're offered 10 or 20 different channels that they're paying for. But it's a per-user basis, but still, they're paying for those as a bundle, and it becomes less practical to separate them because those agreements are kind of locked in stone. I mean, if they don't Mm -hmm. pay the money to Fox or to NBC, Comcast, those stations go bye-bye, and that's happened when they've had contract agreements more to come. With Jeff Gamet of the Mac Observer, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, 
Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows. Pause and rewind live TV. Even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. You pick up the receiver with your heart racing and sweat dripping from your forehead. You finally muster the courage to dial the number to call into your favorite talk radio show. It rings once, twice, and then... Hello, it's GCN. What's your name and the state you're calling from? Surprised you got through, you squeak out. Jason from Minnesota. Please hold. As you patiently wait for your turn, you begin to daydream about being a famous talk radio host and what it would be like to have your own show. Jason from Minnesota, you're up. Millions of loyal listeners worldwide waiting to call and talk to you. Caller, are you there? Cheering crowds surround you, calling out your name. Going once, twice. Okay, we gotta move on to the next caller. You blew it. Huh? Wait, no! Interact with the host you're listening to right now online at GCNlive.com. Click on the community link. Engage with other listeners. Ask questions. Start debates. Don't agree with the host? Let them know. Be a part of the community at GCNlive.com. If you constantly feel run down and tired, your pH level might be low and your body could be full of toxins. If what you drink is not at a pH level of 8 or higher, you are inviting bacteria and acid to thrive in your body. But there is something you can do. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops to your water to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise your pH balance to optimum levels. AlkaVision Plasma pH drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals in the world. Alkalizing the water you drink, ridding your body of acidic waste and toxins, and helping you regain energy and vibrant health. And studies show viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline, high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Focusing heavily on Apple TV and the cord cutting phenomenon or cord cutter's dilemma, as I call it sometimes, and we're talking about a la carte and the fact that the cable and satellite providers won't let us take one from column A, two from column D, won't let us build a package. Now, I can see one argument about this, which is that maybe if you get to see by accident one of these obscure stations you would not normally take, you might like it so much you'll decide, you know what, I'd like to have that. You know, so say there's a network called Clue, which has crime dramas, you know, like NCIS and Law and & Order. And if you like that stuff, it's off-network stuff. It's repeated. It just <laughs> repeats. But maybe you turn on that channel and you say, I like that. You know, I have nothing else to watch. I'll watch my favorite crime procedural, whatever. But you have a lot of these really niche networks out there. And if you don't know they exist, they get no audience. They have no chance to shine. And if you're paying a la carte TV, you're only getting the stations you want. You don't get to see the undiscovered stuff that you may like, that you discover by accident. Mm -hmm. You're just browsing through the channels and you see something you like and you stop. And suddenly there's a new channel there you didn't know existed and you get to watch it for a bit and you like it. But you can't do that if you're just buying a basic 10 or 20. So that's true. Or what they could possibly do. This might be the other solution if they can work out the contracts is show all the channels there. But if you don't subscribe to it, let you see a five minute demo or something. Or, or do like some of the channels that you have on Apple TV where without a subscription, you get some teaser clips for various shows. Similar. Sure. Yeah. And, and do something like that. Then people can get a taste and decide if they want to add that package or not. Now, of the of the channels that that you've had your various cable TV packages over the years, have you had instances where you just checked out a channel and were like, "Wow, I'm really glad I have that. I, I didn't know about that one before." Very often, I mean, for many years, USA Network, which is owned by NBC, would just show repeats. Mm-hmm. And then this is more than a decade ago. Around, I could look up the history online, but I'll give you the the basics here. So one day we see this comedy drama crime procedural. Tony Shalub as Adrian Monk on the USA Network. What an awesome show. An awesome show. A brilliant, absolutely brilliant character actor. And I haven't seen that much of him since Monk ended. But he's a great actor. And we saw the show and we were hooked. And suddenly we started looking over other content from USA Network. Since then, they've added more original programming. And other cable networks have added original programming, TNT, etc. And a lot of it is because of success of earlier shows like Monk. So, yes, I never watched USA Network, but one day my wife was going through the channels and she said, Gene, take a look at this. This is a great show. And that thing. And then we got to watch Burn Notice and a lot of the, the other shows. That, and, yeah. And then the Sci-Fi Channel. We got to see Stargate SG-1. Got hooked on that. And you see what I mean here. If you're not allowed to discover these stations, it's not just the loss of the network 
not just the loss of the satellite provider in getting less income, it's your loss in not seeing something that's really good. Because I think right now the quality of TV, regular broadcast and cable, is at the highest level ever. They get script writers and directors producing and directing from the movies. You see movie actors now doing TV, going back and forth between movies and commercial TV. There's no disrespect there anymore. I mean, in the past, if a movie actor goes to TV, it's the end of their career. Right. They can't get a movie role. Forget about it. Now, you see Matthew McConaughey was doing a TV series for one year, True Detective, and the next year, other movie actors will do that. And they go right back and they make their movies and nobody really cares anymore. I think people just enjoy a good performance. I just think in every way, television offers much, much better shows. And you can see this, of course, with Netflix now, with Daredevil and House of Cards. Yep, yep, I, I agree. The The content quality that we're seeing on television now is so much better than what we had before. And yeah, we're seeing a lot of talent from the movie industry coming to television. I think part of that is because on the television side, the networks are more willing to experiment than they are on the big screen now. So if you want to to really get into something interesting and different, like you know, I'll, I'll use Daredevil as an example. The Daredevil that we that we're seeing on Netflix is not something that I think the the uh, studios would feel that they could sell on the big screen, and yet it's so much better than the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. I think even shows like Arrow are really good, and Arrow is a very gritty show. I mean, really gritty. It's yes. more like a Batman kind of influence because you have the League of Assassins and Ra's al Ghul, a Batman character that's kind of shared in the Arrow universe. I just think that stuff is really good. And it's really dark because people in that show die. Best friends, sisters die. It's not something where someone's scratched up on the next episode, they're cured. It doesn't work that way. That's the other thing about Daredevil. But Daredevil is grittier and it works without the constraints of network TV. And I think there's a good future for all of this if the networks and the cable satellite providers and the independents like Apple can get together to bring this to us. I think there are solutions out there, but it's not giving you the system that was in effect back in the 1980s, which is the problem. I think that's what Tim Cook is talking about, where he goes into his living room and he feels he's maybe in another decade. Yep. Yeah, it's it's definitely time for significant change in the television media market. And we're seeing little bits of that already. What I'm hoping is that when Apple shows their hand and starts doing whatever it is that they're, that they're planning on doing, that it's the catalyst for the big change. And, uh, and, and that leads to better experiences in seeing the shows we want and then discovering the shows that, that we want. And, and, and that it works out better for us as, uh, as consumers and for the networks as well, because they need to make money. If they're not making money, we don't get the shows. There you go. You can't get away from that. There has to be income there. It has to be a fair price, but you don't want to rip off the customer. And right now, customers are very upset 
because every year their cable or satellite bill goes up, which is why we have cord cutting. Now we have all these services, but if you want everything, of course, you end up having to pay huge, huge bundles. You know, you want your cable satellite because of everything that's on it. You want your premium stations, your HBO. You want your Showtime. You want to watch Ray Donovan. You want to watch all this stuff. Netflix and Amazon Instant Video. And boy, do you pay and you pay. Oh, yes. It never stops. We've got so much more to do in the next two segments with Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. We are America's largest independently owned communications network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. I have bought a few bottles of heart and body extract and have to say that it it certainly does work. That's what Jack from Michigan had to say after his experience with heart pain and what he did to treat it with heart and body extract. I actually had a huge heart flutter. I was also having some edema around my ankles and very worrisome clot in my uh, right leg that would happen from time to time while I was trying to sleep. Heart and body extract is all natural with no negative side effects. It will help repair or correct past problems associated with the heart and body circulation. After my second bottle of heart and body extract, all problems are now gone. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. I ordered a third bottle of heart and body extract for maintenance as I want to keep everything working. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. 
Did you know that drinking pure, high alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Now, Jeff Gammon of the Mac Observer, let's kind of move away from TV, cord cutting, Apple TV, that kind of thing except in one specific place. Okay. In about a month after you hear the show, depending on when you hear it, it might be the next day, depending on when you hear the show. What's going to happen here is Apple's going to hold their annual developers conference, worldwide developers conference. A lot of speculation about what we're going to see. We know there's going to be a new OS 10. We know there's going to be a new iOS. So would you like to give us some fearless or fearsome speculation, Jeff Gamut? as to what we might see in those operating systems and anything else Apple's going to do. Sure. All right, I'll start with the easy stuff. We'll, we'll get previews of the next version of OS X and the next version of iOS. That That's pretty much a given, because Apple does that every year. I think that what we will see in those previews is tighter integration between all of our devices. So we, we saw that with Mavericks to to a degree, with with Yosemite, it's very obvious that Apple wants to make all of our devices work together with all of our information as seamlessly as it can. And I think we're going to see more of that with the next version of OS X and with iOS. I think that we're also going to, to get a teaser for what's coming with Apple Watch features because there's so much that can be done that isn't today. And those changes can come through software updates. So I think we'll we'll see some exciting news about Apple Watch. And uh, and then we may get to see some uh, some tidbits from whatever's coming from streaming television and streaming music from Apple as well. And I think if we see those things. That's because we're going to finally get uh, a big change for Apple TV. Those pieces will play into whatever the new Apple TV is. And for developers, it means they'll get to start writing their apps for Apple TV as well. So uh, we may get some new hardware. We're we're long overdue for a new MacBook Pro, but really that's up to Intel and uh, and their processor release cycle. So yeah, may, maybe we'll get kind of a hardware announcement, but the big things are going to be OS 10 and iOS and 
and I think data convergence. Now, looking at iOS and OS 10, iOS 8, OS 10, Yosemite, they are regarded as unusually bug-filled releases. Lots of problems. People with OS 10.10 still reporting problems with Wi-Fi, and Apple still working on solving those problems. There was speculation that the next releases would be like Snow Leopard 10.6, where Apple will kind of sit back and take a breather, less new features, more bug fixing. They're not charging for the operating systems, so maybe that's not a big deal. But we see the quote from Phil Schiller in the announcement about WWDC, about all the great new technologies they're going to demonstrate for developers. So that comes into play as a contradiction. What do you think? Not necessarily a contradiction. Apple could be focusing heavily on fixing all the complaints that we're having with with iOS 8 and OS 10 Yosemite, but then also throw in things that make it easier for developers to give us better apps and better hardware integration, and then also throw in some some more new features. But those new features, I'm thinking it's not going to be so much, here's this revolutionary new feature, but instead it's going to be more about, here's this feature we already have, and here's the way we're enhancing it now. How so? Well, like uh, like I was mentioning, the the whole data everywhere sort of thing and integration between all of our devices. I think that we may see as part of the next version of OS 10 and iOS just it's a more transparent, more seamless handoff of whatever it is that we're doing. It's the potential is there and in some cases we're seeing the way handoff works. As, as a cool thing. In other ways, it's like, wow, Apple, this is a really great proof of concept. Now, why don't you actually make it work? And I think that this will be the year Apple really makes that work. So it will become a very transparent thing as we, we move from screen to screen, whether that's an iPhone or an iPad or a Mac. Everything that we're doing is going to become easier just to transition back and forth between all of those devices. And just to be clear, I'm not saying that I think OS X and iOS are, are converging into a single operating system. It's just that the things we do are going to be more transparently seamless as they move back and forth between all of these devices. So in that sense, more perfection about what's yes. there. Yes, more perfection. Now, in terms of anything really new in terms of products... Is there going to be another major new product this year? We have just Apple Watch. Apple Pay came out last year. Mm-hmm. Anything new in terms of Macs? Well, MacBook's a new model, but in a sense, it's kind of like the first MacBook Air in 2008. It's just another notebook that's slimmer and lighter. It's not a major new technology. So is there going to be something else from Apple that we expect this year, or did Apple already shoot that wad? What about a larger iPad, iPad Pro. iPad Pro is possible, but I'm thinking if we were going to get an iPad Pro announcement at WWDC, we would have seen more about that leaking already. And we're we're within just a, a few weeks now, and we're not seeing photos of prototype equipment popping up online. And right now we're still pretty much in that 
that speculation phase with just a couple photos that came up a while ago and and nothing else. So I'm not sure if we're going to get a iPad Pro announcement. I think at some point we we will be getting another iPad announcement. And I'm certain that even if we don't get an iPad Pro announcement at WWDC, Apple has bigger screen iPads that they're messing with right now and deciding exactly how they're going to use. So things might just be refined. But what about the iPad sales picture? And obviously Apple has to be concerned because, as Tim Cook says, the falling sales, it is what it is. So is there a point where people will start upgrading their iPads so that fuels another stage of new demand or what? Sure. Uh, Okay. Even though we have several years of iPad under our belt, in many ways, Apple is still learning about this market. And that's because we, we don't have like a full decade of sales to look at. So in some cases, we're not sure just how long people really are going to go before upgrading iPad models. In the beginning, we had people that were upgrading every issue, every issue, every version, simply because it was the new cool thing. And uh, and now we're at the point where people are looking at iPads and deciding, do I need the new features? which in many ways is exactly how they look at their computers. And for computers, depending on on what you're getting, oftentimes that's a five-year cycle for people just just as an average. So is that what we're looking at with iPads? And if so, we're probably getting to the point in the cycle where we're going to start seeing more upgraders coming in. But I think Apple has some surprises in store for us with iPad that's going to make it a more compelling purchase in the future. In the future, we have Tech Night Owl Plus or the present, depending on whether you want to check it out. What we offer is the ad-free version of the show, higher audio quality for a modest monthly, annual, or five-year subscription rate. We're going to have more to come, other features we're going to add. But the way it is now, if you want to learn more, go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com to learn more about Tech Night Owl Plus. We've got one more segment, a few more moments to spend with Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene. 
when you check out. You've heard them on Alex Jones. You've seen them on Ancient Aliens. Now come see them live at Contact in the Desert 2015 in Joshua Tree this May. Experience four full days of science-centered lectures, workshops, intensives, and field work on ancient astronauts, extraterrestrial intelligence, human origins, crop circles, contact experiences, UFO sightings, and more. Meet Chariots of the Gods author Eric Von Daniken, Ancient Aliens host Giorgio A. Sokolos, New York Times bestselling author David Wilcock, Dead Doctors Don't Lie author Dr. Joel Wallach, astronauts Edgar Mitchell and Story Musgrave, Earth Files publisher Linda Moulton Howe, author Jim Mars, and many of the world's most respected researchers and scientists exploring answers to one of the greatest questions of all time. More speakers, more panels, more things to do. Join us at the Joshua Tree Retreat Center, which has a long history of sightings and contact experiences. For advanced tickets and conference schedule, go to contactinthedesert.com. That is contactinthedesert.com. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. If the IRS has garnished your paycheck or seized money from your bank account, you need to get professional tax help now. Fast action is required to put a halt to these aggressive IRS collection tactics. You can count on the knowledgeable team of tax professionals at Wall & Associates. With over 30 years of experience, Wall & Associates has settled the tax problems of thousands of taxpayers for a small fraction of what they owed. For a free face-to-face -face consultation, call 1-800-425-4610 to put a wall between you and the IRS. 1-800-425-4610 or look for us on the web at wallandassociates.net. We solve tax problems. If you hire Walland Associates today, you'll never have to talk to the IRS again. To stop the levies and seizures today, take action now. Call Walland Associates at 1-800-425-4610. Wall and Associates. 1-800-425-4610. Based on actual cases, results may vary. Not a solicitation for legal services. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. With Jeff Gamut at the Mac Observer, we touched briefly on Apple Watch. So it's been out for a couple of three weeks now since they started shipping. What's your take? Is this something you'd buy if you weren't working for Mac Observer? You know, I, I have the luxury of having bought one because I work for Mac Observer. And based on that experience, I'd like to think that I would have purchased one even if I wasn't working at Mac Observer. Uh, I may have waited a little 
before buying one just to see what people's reactions were. But I think ultimately I would have picked one up just because of, at Mac Observer, I got one earlier. And I'm really glad I have it, which is saying a lot because I'm a guy that's gone 15, 20 years without really wearing a watch. Uh, the, the battery died in the one I had. I never got around to replacing it. And that was that. And I just didn't wear watches anymore. And now with Apple Watch, I've been wearing my watch consistently for a week now because, well, yeah, it's been, it's been a week because I, I got my watch a week ago on Friday and I'm really glad I have it. I'm surprised at how useful it has turned out to be for me. And the fitness tracking features for the most part are a pleasant surprise. They're, the accuracy I'm getting is much better than I expected. I love that I don't always have to take my phone out of my pocket to do things. And even knowing that it's not that big of a deal to reach in my pocket and pull up my iPhone, the fact that I can take care of some basic things without having to to do the thing where all of a sudden I have a screen between me and everyone else, I, I really like that. And my Apple Watch has become a triage system for me. So instead of me pulling my iPhone out of my pocket every few minutes just to make sure that I haven't missed something, I know the important stuff is going to show up on my watch and I'm not pulling my phone out nearly as often as I was a week ago. I find that very fascinating. That is very common. I'm looking over all the use cases I've read and people see that they're not interrupted as much because a glance at the Apple Watch is much less than reaching for your iPhone, checking something out. Now, maybe there are things that you have to check out. You need that extra detail. So you have to go to your iPhone. But a lot of times the basic notices about something, you don't need it. So this is a way to take busy people and give them an alternative to stay in touch, stay online, stay connected, but not have to commit as much of their time for doing so. Yeah. And it's, it's really nice. I know for some people, this is not the right device and that's okay. But for me, it's turning out to be a really useful tool. Now, the big test for me really will be, am I wearing my Apple Watch every day in two months? Because keep in mind, I'm the guy that hasn't worn a watch for a really long time, and I've been very happy with the fact that there's been nothing on my wrist. Apple has won my, my wrist for a week, and I'm sure they'll have it for at least a couple more, but in a month or so, let, let's see if Apple has still won my wrist at that point. The difficulty here with Apple Watch is you have to get started and commit yourself to a little time in setting it up. The initial setups might overwhelm you with notifications. So I think for the casual user of the iPhone, maybe not. But someone who is really active on the iPhone, they kind of give you a little too much information in the default mm -hmm. setup. And maybe Apple could fix that. And then getting used to the different functionality of the digital crown and the side button and the force touch scheme, that kind of thing. Yeah, that didn't take long for me to, to adjust to or, or to learn. Most of what I do is with a digital crown. And I'm expecting that's exactly what Apple planned for us. And that's why the second button is so unobtrusive. And uh, yeah, it's, I, f I have found navigating is easy. Once I thought about it as, as uh, a series of columns and rows. So columns take me to, to different areas. And then in those different areas, I go through the rows to get at whatever the content's going to be. So like a, a swipe up takes me to glances. 
and then left and right takes me through all the different glances that I have. A swipe down takes me to my notifications. And uh, th- that visualization for me made it very easy to, to keep track of, of what, I'm, what I'm doing and how to get there. So yeah, it took me not even a day really to get down the whole navigation thing. The, the hardest part was remembering double tap on the second button to bring up Apple Pay. Now, remember, you're working for a tech publication. You're used to playing with these gadgets. What about the person who's an iPhone user, but not a tech geek? How is the process of getting used to this going to work for them? Okay, so so now I'm probably going to sound a little arrogant saying, hey, I figured this out in less than a day. Uh, I, I think for other people, three days, maybe four days, before they're really comfortable with the way the interface works. So... So what I would tell people is you're getting an Apple Watch, but you're not really sure if this is going to be the right device for you. You need to give it at least a week because you need to have time to get comfortable with the interface and then experience the watch once you get how to navigate things. So yeah, give yourself a week and and then decide if you're going to give it more time or not. I think the argument some would make is maybe Apple could have made it easier, but then again... Is there a better way and nobody else has a better way? If you've played with other smartwatches from other manufacturers and then you look at Apple Watch, it's amazing how much easier Apple Watch is. This, this is a device that it, it may take some people a little bit longer than others to get, but once they do, they just get it. With other smartwatches I've seen, I know people that have never figured out the interface completely they just stop using most of the functions. They stick to the two or three things they could figure out, and that's it. So it makes it not so smart of a watch for them. This is, of course, one of the arguments posed in one of those wacky blogs analyzing the potential for Apple Watch. And they point out, accurately enough, that over an 18-month period, people use these other smartwatches less and less and finally stop and suggesting, well, how long will it take before people stop using their Apple Watch? The problem with these surveys is that they don't actually use an Apple Watch in making them and writing these articles. They may have no knowledge of the product other than it's out, or they read a few things about it. So having Mm -hmm. not tested this product, they view it in the context of what has gone before. And Apple doesn't give you what has come before. That's the joy of Apple. Yeah, that's a really important point. Okay, so let's use other Apple products as an example. Tablet devices, that, that's a market where when people buy iPads, they tend to continue to use them. When people buy Android tablets, they tend to use them less and less over time and then just stop. And, and yes, I know there are people where that's not the case at all, but just generally speaking, Android tablets get used less over time and then eventually are discarded. We don't typically see that with iPads. So if, uh, if Apple is true to form, we will see a similar track record with Apple Watch. And of course, we have to wait and see. So 18 months from now, it may be a very different thing. But right now, I'm betting that there will be more people using Apple Watch that continue to do so compared to people that buy smartwatches from other companies. 
Jeff Gamet, please tell our listeners where they can find more of the things that you do. Oh, sure. Uh, how about over at MacObserver.com, where, where we're covering everything that relates to Apple with a bunch of amazingly talented writers. Uh, my personal blog, Fresh Brew Tales, where I write about the ridiculous things I see people do at coffee shops. And then on Twitter, I'm Jay Gamet. And hey, it's awesome to be here. You can find us on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. Tech Night Owl on Twitter. Check out our premium service at plus.technightowl.com. That's P-L-U-S dot We offer the ad-free version of the show, better quality audio, for a modest monthly subscription rate at plus.technightowl.com. We have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. It's called The Paracast. And this weekend, we'll be featuring... Richard Dolan and a guy who calls himself Red Pill Junkie. His real name is Miguel. And we'll be talking about what's called the Roswell Slides. Were there really slides showing alien bodies picked up at Roswell? Hmm, I don't know. The Paracast at Paracast.com. That's theparacast.com. Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me back. It's always a blast. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.